0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, listen, today we are gonna be talking about the power of prayer. And as you know, we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And last week, Pastor Don brought an incredible message about fasting and what happens when we fast. And really it was kind of a challenge and a call for all of us as a church body, as a collective group to fast together. And I don't know about you, but I have taken the level of fasting in my life to another place this week. And can I say, it hasn't really been fun. Can I just be honest with you? It hasn't really been easy, but I will tell you right now that it is worth it. I believe that going to a deeper place in God requires that we are stretched. That's why Jesus said that if you want to have new wine, you have to have a new wineskin because when wine begins to ferment in that wineskin, it expands that wineskin. And I'm here today to tell you that the stretch that you're feeling is not meant to break you. It's to expand you and expand your capacity so that God can move mightily in and through you. And so today we're gonna to talk about the power of prayer. Pastor Jim Cimbala said this, prayer is the source of the Christian's life. It is a Christian's lifeline. It is our connection to heaven, to the Father. I think of it, and this might be kind of funny to you, but kind of like an umbilical cord. It is what gives us life from God. Brother Hagen used to say, prayer is the track that we run on. There's so much in that statement. Prayer is the track that we run on. It's our starting and our finishing line. It gives us direction. It gives us firm footing. It is the track that we run on as believers. Martin Luther was reported to have said that God does almost nothing except by prayer. As we say it around here a little bit differently, nothing happens without prayer. I just wanna encourage you today. Do you understand? Do I understand? Do we realize the importance of our prayers? Not just the prayer of coming up here and having someone lay hands on you, but the prayer that you pray in your private time, in your moment of, uh, of triumph, in your moment of desperation. Do we understand the power of the prayers that we pray? And I would ask, what did the New Testament writers say about it? Here's what the Apostle Paul said. When he was talking about prayer, he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. He said in 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Can I just say briefly for a second, Paul didn't say, I desire that the moms should pray. He said, I desire that the men should pray and thank God for praying moms, but God's design is for men to be a prayer covering over their family. And you might not know how to do that and that's okay. You just start where you are and you begin to grow. There's nothing wrong with that. And your prayer doesn't have to look like my prayer and it doesn't have to look like Pastor Don's prayer. It needs to be heartfelt from you. Paul also said in Ephesians 6.18 that we should pray at all times and on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And I want us to also focus on what Jesus said about prayer. And this is a really kind of um, unnoticed thing sometimes in the Bible, but you know, we have this term in the US where we say, oh, it's a house of worship. Oh, that's a house of worship. And what we mean by that obviously is that's a church. But when Jesus described the gathering of people, he did not use the term house of worship. It's striking to me that he didn't say house of worship. I'm the worship leader. I mean, you'd think he would at least give us a little credit. He also didn't use the word house of teaching or preaching. But when Jesus described what it was to be like in the house of God, he actually quoted Isaiah 56, 7. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all Nations. Now, first, I want you to see what's happening here, that from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God is speaking again to diversity and unity among people of all ethnicities and groups. It was his design from the beginning for people to come together under one name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't say, my house will be a house of preaching and teaching. There were Pharisees who were doing those things. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now what's interesting is Jesus here is referring to the temple. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul says that you, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament age. In 1 Peter 2, 5, it says that all of us together are being built together like living stones to make God's house. So let me ask you this question today. If he sees my temple today, does he see my temple? as a house of prayer? Or does he see it as a house of procrastination? A house of focusing on other things? A house of furthering my career? A house of putting out fires at home? And there are so many important things in life, but Jesus gives us this guiding principle that we are to be a people of prayer. He has called us to be a people of prayer. Let the world know us by our love and by our prayer that we are the praying people. As we talked about what the apostle Paul said about prayer and what Jesus said about prayer, Jesus's brother James gave us a beautiful picture that we can go on for prayer. And I want you to hear this today. He says in James 5, 13 through 18, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? Well, you should sing praises. What is a praise? Singing praise is a sung prayer. You're just singing out your prayer. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will, not maybe, not might, he said, the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you see all the prayer here? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Now I want you to understand for a moment that whenever you see someone in the Bible who prays and something incredible happens, Elijah prays, And rain stops and the sky shuts up for three years. And then it opens again when he begins to release a prayer. Joshua prays and the sun stands still so that God could give him the victory. Do you understand that weather patterns and the pattern of the universe and the rotation of things are changing at the command when God's people pray? Can I tell you today that every story that you read was just from a regular person like you? Because the same Joshua that prayed that the sun would stand still is the same Joshua who forgot to ask God what he should do and totally blew it a few chapters back. And the same Elijah that prayed that the heavens would be shut and for three years they were. And then when he prayed and they opened again and the rain began to fall, that same Elijah is the Elijah that runs under pressure and is having suicidal thoughts and is beginning to fall into depression and anxiety. That's the same man. Can I tell you today that whatever you're facing, God would look at you and say, you're no different than any of the other people that I've ever used, and I still want to use your prayer. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're fighting, but I would dare say that the reason that you're facing it and the reason that you're fighting it is because the devil is afraid of the prayers that will come out of your mouth. And so today, I want you to get your prayer back a little bit. I want you to get your fight back a little bit. There are different types of prayer and we can talk about that, but I want you to feel that fight on the inside of you again. No, I will pray. I've been feeling fear, but I will pray in faith. I can feel it, but I don't have to bow to it. I want you to get your fight back this morning. I want to talk to you just for a moment about the power of prayer. What does prayer actually do? because it's so interesting in our culture, you know, we just have this cultural idea of prayer, right? For some, it could be light a candle. For some, it could be pray the rosary. For some, it could be this. For some, it could be that. For some, it could be whenever something's going wrong, you just scream the only thing you know how to scream, and that's Jesus, right? You just hope for the best, huh? We don't really honestly understand, I think, as people, and I don't know that we ever will this side of heaven, how effective and powerful our prayers are. Here's the power of prayer. Number one, prayer has immediate power. Do you understand that there are moments when you pray and God in an instant does what no man could ever do? A great example of that is Acts 16, 25 and 26. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening and suddenly there was a massive earthquake. Say suddenly. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately, say immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Some prayers are suddenly prayers that you are praying and lifting up your voice to God. And let me say this very clearly. Oftentimes that suddenly prayer, it's not just for your benefit. Oh, it blessed Paul and Silas, but it set other people free. That there is a prayer that you will pray that God will use in a suddenly moment to set someone free. Can I just say, and we'll touch on this later, if you feel prompted to pray for somebody, if you think of somebody and you think that might be God, pray a suddenly prayer right now. Pray a suddenly prayer and just believe that God is doing something in them. God can break through in an instant if we pray. He can break the chains. He can bring salvation. He can break addictions that have bound you for years and years. He can help you solve that problem that has vexed you for decades. You can't figure out, why do I come back to this? God can break it in an instant. Prayer has immediate power, but listen, prayer has generational power. In fact, Ian Bounds said this, prayers outlive the lives of those who utter them. And then he issued this challenge, outlive your generation. You know, as an artist, everything that I create, I hope that somehow it might outlive my generation. We sing the songs like Amazing Grace that people wrote hundreds of years before, and they never knew that that would impact generations. Can I tell you, you don't have to wonder about your prayers. Your prayers will impact generations. In fact, in our city, there's Founders Oak right in the middle of town in Landa Park. And they say that that tree was probably about 324 years old this year. That tree was just a seed or a sapling in that time. But nobody knew that hundreds of years later in 1981, part of the inspiration for the name of this church would come from that little tree. And I have to ask you a question today. What seeds are you planting in prayer? Because probably you are living in the fruit of what someone prayed decades ago for you. It was your grandpa. It was someone who prayed for this building before it was ever even in use, when people walked here and prayed here and served here so that we could construct this place. It was the prayers of people on Luann Drive in New Braunfels, Texas in 1981, who were in a small home group, praying that a local church would be started here, and that became Tree of Life. We're sitting in the fruit of someone's prayers that have impacted generations. You know, my grandma went to this church My parents go to this church, I go to this church, my daughter goes to this church. It's a generational impact because someone prayed in 1981. The other thing is that prayer has transformational power. It has the power to bring personal transformation. Listen, if you need something to change on the inside of you, can I tell you, as I started this year, I had one thing in mind and I knew, God, this needs to change on the inside of me because it doesn't reflect you, it doesn't honor you, and I've got to repent and I've got to walk in that change. But you know where that's going to come? The place of prayer. And I believe in confessing our sins one to another and I believe in accountability, but you will not actually change the root until you continue to pray until God begins to do a work on the inside of you, you'll just replace it with something else every single time. So there's transformational power for ourselves, but then there's local and regional transformation. You know, the prayers of the saints can transform a region. I remember Pastor Karen telling me how they used to prayer walk around the neighborhoods of this area, not knocking on doors necessarily and evangelizing, but just praying over the area. And I wonder how many people have come to our church and they had no idea why they wound up here, but it was someone's prayer a couple decades ago walking by their home. Think about that story that I told you just a few moments ago about the healing and racial reconciliation that has come through this place. There was a regional and local transformation taking place because someone prayed, someone believed, someone sought God, a group of people gathered. And then finally, there is national and global transformation that happens when we pray. And you may feel like, hey, I'm just a drop in the bucket, but can I tell you that God uses the weak things of this world to confound the strong and he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And maybe your prayers in this little pocket of the earth could impact people across the globe. I'll never forget, I had a chemistry teacher uh, in high school and she was a believer and she said, one day God woke me up and I, just, I was praying at night and I just saw this picture of flooding in Africa and I just began to pray for people. And she said, the next morning I turn on the news and there's massive floods all over Africa in this particular region. And she said, you know, God just had used me to pray. I didn't even know what about. I just wonder if God wants to use you to pray for people on the other side of the globe. And break it down into really simple terms. My wife and I, every night when we pray with our little girl, she's four years old before she goes to sleep. There are missionaries in Nepal and in India and in Mexico that we pray for by name because we know some of them. And God is just using her and her little prayer to impact people across the globe. It doesn't have to be something extravagant. It can be as simple as that. Because 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says, "'Then if my people who are called by my name "'will humble themselves and seek my face and pray "'and turn from their wicked ways, "'then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Can I just say, I want spiritual restoration in America and in the world. And it only comes through the place of prayer, not through politics and legislation, the place of prayer. And the fourth thing is that prayer has penetrating power. I heard someone say this the other day, and it really struck me. In Isaiah 60, verses one through three, the prophet Isaiah's speaking on behalf of God. And he says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. Can you see that in our world today? That it feels like there's a darkness over the earth, that things are going good in some ways, but in some ways it seems like things are getting cloudier than they've ever been. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. There is a darkness over this world, but prayer is the power that will pierce the darkness. Prayer is the power that will pierce the darkness. People aren't necessarily listening to the words we say or anything like that, but the prayers that we pray have an impact in our generation. Your prayer can pierce the darkest places. The son or daughter who's bound in addiction has been to rehab three or four times and can't break through. Your prayer, mom and dad, can pierce the darkness that they're living in right now. Your prayer can penetrate the darkness. And then finally, prayer has saving power. Acts chapter two, they were praying together and 3,000 men came from all different people groups. It says people from all over the known world came and they heard their, their different languages being spoken. And it says that 3,000 men were baptized. Now that was only men. So you can picture it's like six to 9,000 people potentially that day if you include women and children who get baptized. Why? Because the saints were praying. Because Jesus' command was to evangelize the world and make disciples. But he said, don't you leave until in the place of prayer you have power. And prayer has salvation power. You might say, hey, that's great. That sounds good, but I don't really know how to pray. That's why we're here. That's why the church exists. We've all been in that place before where it's like, hey, God, teach me how to pray. Someone teach me. So I know you may have seen things, heard things. Sometimes the most instruction on prayer we get is from a scene in a movie, right? But here's what I want you to do today. I want you to just hear what the word of God says about prayer. Number one, we should pray fervently. Acts chapter 12, verse five. So Peter was kept in prison and pastor preached on this a while back. Peter's in prison. He's about to be executed the next day. How many of you know you'll pray fervently if you're about to be executed the next day? But here's what I want you to see. But fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by who? The church. Peter was praying for himself, but there was a prayer meeting happening in the church for him. And I believe in the importance of fervent prayers. James chapter five, what we read earlier, that the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power as it's working. But you know what the scripture can also be translated to say the fervent prayer of a righteous person. And you may think, well, I'm not righteous. Can I tell you today, if Jesus has set you free, if you've accepted him as your Lord and savior, then God has given you the righteousness that you need. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as you draw near to him and try to live for him, he'll begin to work all those things out in you, but stand boldly and pray fervently. There's sometimes some things that only happen through fervent prayer. I believe in calm and peaceful prayers. I'm the kind of guy who oftentimes I journal prayers. I believe Psalm 23, which says that he leads me beside still waters, right? But there are some prayers that have to be fervent. When Peter's in prison, the church is not journaling their prayers. They are praying fervently. Can I say this clearly today? When the world is imprisoned to the things of the enemy, the church cannot be just journaling. We must be praying fervently because a desperate world needs a fervent prayer from the church, from the people of God. That we have to be a people who pray with passion, with intensity, because we are believing God. And we are saying, just like the story about the, the, uh, the man who came for some bread and he keeps knocking on the door over and over again. We are believing, believing, believing for salvation, for breakthrough in our world. Pray like it is the last days. And here's something just personal that I always do. I try to do to the best of my ability. If I'm praying for someone and I feel there's not a lot of passion in me, I try to tell myself, how would I pray if this was my daughter? If there's a need and I don't feel a big burden, I just try to put myself in their shoes and say, how would I pray if it was my family member? It's a simple, practical way to pray with fervency. So number one, pray fervently. Number two, pray persistently. It says that in Acts 12, five, they were praying persistently to God. Don't quit praying just because you don't see it yet. Can I just tell you, I've had a burden on my heart since 2018 for prayer to continue to rise up and rise up and rise up in the local church. Pastor Don has been calling us to prayer for years and he has been praying and praying for the growth of our prayer meetings. Don't quit praying just because you don't see it yet. And Pastor Don explained that last week in uh, in the book of Daniel. Daniel fasted and prayed for over 21 days before he saw a result. Can we be a people who will say, I'll stick with it even if I don't see immediate results? It is our prayers that shake the unseen places. Never stop praying. If I could say it this way, you're on the planet because God wants you to pray. What's the purpose of you being here? if you aren't here to evangelize and reach the lost and to pray and intercede on their behalf. Because if that wasn't the case, then we could just all go to heaven and it would be fine. We'd be with Jesus. But you are on this planet to pray. Number three, pray when prompted. And I'm just not gonna dwell on this, but again, if you feel a name pop up in your spirit or something like that, I want you to just know that God might be telling you, pray for that person now. I can tell you story after story, but I texted a friend of mine the other day and I just just said, hey, I want you to know we're praying for you for this job situation. And he texted me back and he said, hey, you know what, that's crazy because I was in an interview the moment that you texted me. God can do that at any moment, at any time. There are so many stories like that and it's not coincidence, it is God. Number four, and the most important thing is this, pray the word of God. If you don't know what to pray, pray the word of God. In Jeremiah 1.12, it says, I am watching over my word to perform it. That's God's word to you. I am watching over my word to perform it. He keeps his word every single time. Isaiah 55, says it this way in the message paraphrase. So will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment that I gave them. Do you know that the scripture says that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. What that means is that God never speaks a word that is idle, that is useless, that is void. Everything he speaks, it has power and it's for a purpose. And if you don't know what to pray, you just pick a couple of scriptures that you can find that relate to the situation and you begin to pray those scriptures. If you don't know what to pray for healing, you just write down, and you can write this down right now, 1 Peter 2.24, that by Jesus' stripes, some translations say it this way, you have been healed. And you begin to declare what God has already spoken. It's as simple as that. If you don't know what to pray for your kids, my favorite scripture to pray for my daughter is Luke 2.52. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. If you pray that, you're gonna pray over every aspect of your child's development. Wisdom, their mind is gonna grow. Stature, their body will be healthy and whole. Favor with God, they'll have relationship with God, and they'll have blessing from God, and favor with people that they'll have healthy friendships and relationships in their lives. Luke 2.52 is your blueprint for what to pray over your kids and teens. You find one scripture and you stand on that thing and you make that your prayer. And can I just say this too, a really practical tip. As I make some things a trigger for me to pray, if I have a negative thought, honest to goodness right now, there's a scripture that I have in my heart right now that I've been just thinking about since yesterday because there was a recurring negative thought that I kept thinking. And I decided every time I think that negative thought, I'm gonna actually pray about that scripture instead because it deals with that negative thought. And I just wanna encourage you, make it a trigger. Make it something where every time I think this bad thing, I got a piece of paper that has this scripture, I'll pull it out of my wallet in the middle of H-E-B and I'll just read it right then and begin to pray. I'll make it as simple as this. There's some things that we pray for as a family and I'll put them on the mirror in the bathroom so that every time I see it, when I get ready in the morning, I begin to pray what God wants me to pray. Make it simple. And you might say, well, you know what? I don't have time to pray. Can I just say, you can find five minutes before you go to bed and just start right there. Get one scripture, read that one scripture and begin to pray out that one scripture. You might say, I'm a single parent. I literally don't have time. And I would say, you are a lot closer to not having time than anybody else, right? We believe you actually. We didn't believe everybody else, but we believe you. And here's what I would suggest to you. When you finally drop the kids off at school, they're done slapping each other and being angry and you get them out of the car, don't turn on your normal morning talk show or whatever it is. Just put on some worship or even turn off the radio and on your commute to work, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, you just take that time and say, I'm gonna pray instead. I'm actually convinced that cars are some of the only places that we ever get solitude anymore. We'll commute for 30 minutes. We could just spend time with God. Once you kick those kids out, you turn on some worship music and you pray. Here's another thought. Maybe you've been praying for decades and you're like, well, I don't really, I feel kind of stale in my prayer life. I would just say this, maybe what you could do is change up how you pray, right? Maybe you move from having a prayer list So just asking God in the morning, whenever you pray, I feel like the real holy people pray in the morning and I try to be like you, but I don't know if I'm as holy as you. You just ask God, hey, what would you want for me to pray today? So you submit your list to him and you say, hey, today I'm just actually putting this aside. Is there something that's on your heart for me to pray? Can I pray for somebody today? Or maybe you begin to just pick three scriptures and you're gonna pray those this week. And you're gonna speak them over everybody that you know. 3 John 1, verse two, I pray that you would prosper and be in health in all things, even as your soul prospers. And you pray that over everybody that you know. You just switch it up. You just change it a little bit. Do something different. If I go on the same date with my wife every week for the rest of our life, ladies, how would that go? Would it be good or bad, right? So we've gotta switch it up a little bit. We've gotta change it. But I came today to just encourage you. You are a house of prayer. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God has called you to be a house of prayer. And it doesn't have to be complex. And you don't have to spend hours a day doing it. You can pray without ceasing. You can pray in the car. You can pray when things are going crazy at work. And instead of just praying, Lord, God, help me, you can pray, Father, I pray for all of my teammates and I just bless them in the name of Jesus. And I pray that they'd see the light of Christ through me. But you are called to be a house of prayer, a place of fervent prayer, a place of persistent prayer, a place where God's power penetrates and pierces the darkness, a place where God's salvation comes, that's what we are called to be as a church, a house of prayer. In fact, that value is so strong on Pastor Don's heart that every single Saturday at 9 a.m., we pray here at this church, no matter what. In the lobby, typically, except the first Saturday of the month, we pray right here for First Fruits. We pray. And there will be 30 of us gathered. And I see faces across this room. One of my favorite things about that prayer meeting is I like to just look at the diversity of the room. I like to look at what God's doing in the room through people from different backgrounds. And I see it as what happened in Acts happening right here and right now. I wanna challenge you today. I wanna challenge you to commit to take your prayer to another level this week. I am not asking you to jump from nothing to an hour. I am asking you, take five minutes and just pray one scripture. Pray it over your family. Pray Luke 2:52 over your kids. Do something that stretches your wine skin this week so that God can pour more power and capacity into you. I believe in you. I believe that God has called you to pray prayers that shake nations that transform this region, but that transform you and impact your family for generations. And this 21 days, that's what God's gonna do in and through this house. When you show up at 6 a.m. and 7 a.m., but not tomorrow or Tuesday, that's just online. When you show up at 6 a.m., 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. and you pray, or 9 a.m. on Saturday, God's gonna do something in and through you. Not just the prayers that they pray right here with the microphone, through your prayers that will shake the nation's I believe that. Hey, a couple of practical resources today. If you really are like, I don't know where to start with prayer. That is again, okay. And if you think you know everything about prayer, maybe you ought to do the same and just pretend like you don't know anything and start again. Because Paul said if anybody says that they know nothing, I, I, if anybody says that they know something, they know nothing yet as they ought to know it. That's kind of a tongue twister, but think about it for a second. Paul was so like, uh, he'd hit people. He said if anybody claims that they know something, they know nothing as they ought to know it. You don't know as much as you think you know is what Paul said. This book right here lessons about prayer. Is a really uh, fantastic practical resource on prayer. It's just gonna teach you basics of what it means to pray. It's actually gonna give you specific scriptures to pray over your kids as well, if you need that. But it is not just for parents. It is a general prayer book. It just has a section at the end for that. I wanna encourage you. There's eight of them left uh, in the merch at the merch store, make sure that you go and pick that up today. And then also um, Tree Kids and Tree Student Ministries, they have given out these prayer resources to families. And you can get these when you go pick up your kids and your teens today, Um, but these prayer resources will walk you through, not just how to pray for your kids, but I bet you could lead your teens and kids through these as well and teach them to pray during 21 days. But here's what I wanna say, our prayer life has to commit to stretching and growing in this 21 days. And I just want to tell you today, your 2024 will be as good as your 21 days is. Can I just say it as boldly as that? You might be believing for something right now that God's not going to bring to pass until December, but now is the time that you are called to pray. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.